Welcome to That Blind Guy Show. I'm John Yee, and this is Episode 8, Memories. As always, I'm going to begin by saying that the views expressed in this show are my own. I am not in any way attempting to speak for the entire community of the visually impaired, and everything is based on my experiences. So before we get into this, I have a little bit of a story to tell. Uh, and it has to deal with why I'm actually doing this podcast in the first place. Over the course of my life, I have needed to talk to someone from time to time, and so I ended up in therapy. And one of those times was just a couple of years ago. I went to a therapist, I'll just use her first name, her name was Donna, and she helped me a lot dealing with my issues of self-esteem, about my issues of self-worth and uh, basically just generally the fact that I was unhappy with the way that my life had turned out. And over the course of a couple of years, she helped me to feel better about myself, to feel better about what I was doing, about the things that I had accomplished. And she also helped me to redefine my career path and what I was doing for a living, which would hopefully bring me some form of happiness. And eventually we got around to talking about my vision and the problems that I have with my vision. Because honestly, a lot of my issues with self-esteem and self-worth have to do with the fact that I, quite frankly, don't, you know, by the fact that I don't see very well. And so we kind of got into that a little bit. Then one day Donna tells me that she brought in a new therapist and she thinks that she would like for me to meet him. And I was somewhat nervous but I trusted my therapist at the time and so I, I agreed and uh, she introduced me to Nick and Nick uh, when I first walked into the office one thing was glaringly obvious Nick was visually impaired as a matter of fact as I recall his visual acuity was actually lower than mine and here I was talking to this guy who once I got to know him a little bit, we were actually remarkably similar. We both liked video games. We both felt the same things about, or the same ways about several different subjects. And he actually was, uh, he struck me as being a lot like me. The difference between the two of us was that Nick had not had the same experiences that I did when he was younger. And as a result, his life kind of went a different way in the fork than mine did. Nick had a level of self-confidence that I didn't. Nick had a level of self-actualization that I didn't. And quite frankly, for being significantly younger than me, I actually kind of admired that about him. So we talked about a good number of things over the next few months uh, that I was seeing Nick as a therapist. And he helped me through a lot of issues and he helped me through a lot of difficulties that I had. Nick actually left the practice uh, that he was at and went to another job shortly, well, uh, probably about six months after I started seeing him, so I transitioned back to Donna. Well, Donna helped me to figure out that I needed a different career path. Uh, I was working tech support and I was absolutely miserable at it. So she helped me to find a new direction. Uh, she when I left, we had kind of planned on me angling toward being a therapist, funny enough, because I felt like I had something to offer 
the visually impaired community and especially young people who are trying to come up with visual impairments and and the issues that go along with them uh, well things didn't work out like i planned and uh, i ended up working for the uh, school system here and i am a teacher with the eventual hope to be working with kids that are visually impaired hopefully in a computer science curriculum i still wanted to help out kids that are visually impaired even though i'm not a therapist like i originally planned so i thought that i would go ahead and start this podcast and i guess that means that uh this podcast and every episode of it are kind of dedicated to Nick because without Nick showing me that I could be a different person and that I didn't have to be the way that I was uh, and the way that I still can be sometime, you know, this podcast wouldn't be here. I hope that people get benefit from it. And so, yeah, there's that. Let's go on with the show. So on today's show, we are going to talk about some of the memories that I have from when I was a kid and how some of them kind of shaped the person that I became and that I am today. So when I was a lot younger, probably about nine or 10, I decided that I wanted to play sports, but I didn't want to play football or baseball or any of those sports because quite frankly, most of my family played them and they bored me. So I decided that I wanted to play soccer. And so my mother signed me up for the local uh, Pee Wee Soccer League and I went out for the team and I played. And it was a lot of fun. I really, really enjoyed it. Well, one day while I was on the field and just to make it clear, I usually played defensive positions or at the the most forward, I played midfield. But, I was you know, at playing my position and a forward was coming at me with the with the ball and I decided that I wanted that ball. And what I did, what ended up happening was that I collided with the other player at a full run. And I was never a small kid. So long story short, we collided, I got up, the kid got walked off the field and essentially carried. And we just played the game. Everything was fine. Everything was totally good. Uh, the kid was fine. There was no, you know, there was no damage. I didn't break anything. He didn't break anything. We were all good. And so the game continued. Everything was good. Uh, the season wrapped up and nothing was said. So the next year I go to sign up and uh, we were informed by the soccer league that I'm not being allowed to play. When we asked them why, Uh, They told us it was because parents had uh, decided that I was dangerous on the field, that my visual impairment made me unsafe around their kids playing the same sports. This despite the fact that soccer is a contact sport from time to time, and that all parents signed a waiver to that effect. They just decided that I was unsafe to play. Of course, me being a little kid, I didn't really understand it. I wanted to play and I was just being told that I couldn't play and it obviously upset me quite a bit. This was the first time that someone or some group of people assumed what I was or was not capable of based solely on the fact that I was visually impaired. They didn't know me, they didn't meet me, they based all of this on one incident. And to make a long story somewhat shorter, we fought it. 
My mother went before the uh, and went before the soccer board. My grandmother, my aunt, uh, and, and several other members of my family were there in my defense. Uh, I did, was left in the care of my grandmother while they were all there fighting for me. And I remember sitting in my grandmother's living room and I started, you know, I, I was a kid. I was playing with toys at the time and I thought about what it was that my mother was trying to do and it just finally hit me. It upset me. These people that I wanted to play for didn't want me because they didn't they didn't they thought I was dangerous and for a 10 year old boy that's pretty heavy so I gave up I decided that I didn't want to play anymore if they didn't want me then I didn't want to be there I didn't want anybody to resent me and this was all despite the fact that my mother had actually gotten the league to agree and they I even had a team there was a coach that took me but I had it in my head that if they didn't want me to be there that I didn't want to be there and this coach didn't actually want me on the team he just was doing it out of pity and even at the age of 10 pity was something that I absolutely loathed so I quit and I didn't play soccer anymore and through most of my school I really didn't play a whole lot of sports at all I ran track one year and that was pretty much it. Looking back on that time, it's actually one thing that I really kind of regret. I, I allowed myself to quit. My mother allowed me to quit. I should have continued on. I should have played. I should have kept playing. I should not have let them stop me. And like I said, to this day, it's something that I feel really bad about because it kind of set a tone for a lot of the things that I do and did in life later. So the next memory takes place about five, six years later. When you're a young man in the United States, there are certain things that are considered rites of passage that you really look forward to. They're important, they're huge deals. And we're talking things like first date, first kiss, stuff like that. But the one that I'm specifically referring to is getting your driver's license. So up until I was 17 years old, I knew that driving was not going to be something that was open to me. My vision is 2200 in my good eye, and actually it's a little bit worse than that. And I have no, my right eye is functionally dead, and I have very little peripheral vision there. So driving is never anything that I really considered. Then one day, I, my mother and I were driving. We were driving, I think, up to Georgia from Florida. And my mother comes across an article in Popular Mechanics. And this was, it was about a bioptic lens made by a uh, company in Virginia Beach, Virginia, Virginia Beach, Virginia. I'll learn how to talk one day. And so we immediately were like, we were smitten by it. The gentleman who invented these particular bioptic lenses used them so that he could pass a driving test. The article said that specifically. Naturally speaking, I was freaking out. I was that excited. Here was an opening for something that I had been dreaming about for the past three years. It was something that was tied up in my eyes, you know, it, as 
something you had to do to be a man. You had to drive. So to condense the story a little bit, we went through the process of getting a pair of these glasses for me. And I say we, it was a combination of my mother and my father. Shortly after I had these bioptics in hand, I went and took the test to get my learner's permit. Once I had my learner's permit, I went and started the process of learning how to drive, mostly with my mom. But one day, as we were practicing, or as I was practicing, we were going down this not too busy street and I went through an intersection. I looked both ways, I went and I crossed. Uh, well, my mother calmly informed me that I had just rolled through a stop sign. I just didn't see it. And to be fair, in hindsight, the stop sign was kind of hidden behind bushes and kind of overgrown and it would be easy for anyone to miss. And my mother told me that. And I said, okay. And I drove us back to our home. And then I got out of the car, handed my mother the keys, and informed her that I was done driving. The reason that I gave, and honestly it's still true for me to this day, is that even if I ever got into a car accident, even if an investigation determined that it was not my fault, I would always have doubt. I would always wonder if there was something that I missed or something that I could have seen or something that I didn't see that caused that accident. And if somebody was hurt, I would never be able to live with that guilt. But even though the decision seemed rational to me, these things are seldom rational. And I, in my heart, I took it as a, I had hope in this. I had hope that this was going to happen and it's not, and this has just been taken away from me. It was like holding the carrot out, and then when I reach for it, you pull it away. It was like Lucy with the football. And so I went back home. At the time, I lived with my dad. He obviously noticed that I was upset and asked me what was wrong. And I told him. I told him that I had decided that I wasn't going to try and drive and that, and I told him why, and I told him it upset me. I told him that, you know, I, I told him basically how I felt. And his response was something that, to this day, uh, it's still, part of me still feels like a, it's a betrayal. He told me that he was glad. He was told, he told me that he never supported my getting my driver's license. He never would have supported me driving and he would have questioned the wisdom of any authority that would have allowed me to drive. And honestly, it, it crushed me. It really did. It, to hear that from my, my father, a parent, somebody that I looked up to, somebody that I always counted on for support, for encouragement, for him to tell me that because of my vision and because he didn't think that I was capable, that... I shouldn't be allowed to do something to me just felt uh, it, it was a knife in the heart as I've gotten older I've grown to understand exactly where he was coming from and what his point was but it still didn't make it feel any better for me at the time and as I've gotten older I've adapted uber and lyft are things that exist in this town and our public transit system is there although it kind of sucks but still it's there I've learned to adapt. I've learned to get to where I need to go without having to drive myself. And with the possibility of self-driving vehicles coming in the next several years, 
then it's entirely possible that I'll be able to get back the independence that I once thought that I would have when I was 17, 18 years old. I'm sharing these stories not so that I can get a poor me or sympathy or whatnot, but mainly to show people, especially young people, that they're not alone, that other people feel the same way that they do in some way, shape, or form, and just to help encourage. Because the truth of the matter is that things are just different for us. We have to adapt. We can't do the things that you typically do when you're a young person. And I'm not saying that those things should limit you. Test your limits, try new things, do all of those kinds of things. My point was that there are going to be people in your life that try and limit you. Don't let them. And more importantly, don't limit yourself. Keep trying. And if you find that there's something that you can't do because of your visual impairment or because of your particular physical challenge, then that's not on you. It's just your situation. In the next couple of episodes, we're going to start talking about the way things were for me when I was in school and the way things are for me now that I am a working adult. But for the moment, that's going to be it for this week's show. If you'd like to support the show, please go to anchor.fm slash 2020 and make a one-time donation or consider subscribing. That is going to be it for today's episode. If your podcatcher of choice has a rating system, please feel free to give us a rating and or a like or a review. If you have questions or comments, please feel free to email me at 2020 at gmail.com. Leave a comment on the episode page or send me a message via Twitter, Instagram, or other social media. Links in the show notes. Until the next episode, this has been That Blind Guy Show. I'm John Gee, and we will see you next time.